Yo. Yo. Uh-huh. Yo. Uh-huh. Yo. 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 Uh. You are listening to the Mental Wealth Show. You are listening to the Mental Wealth Show. You are listening to the Mental Wealth Show. And me, I'm your host. My name is Rich Jones. You are listening to the Mental Wealth Show. You are listening to the Mental Wealth Show. That's right. You are listening to the Mental Wealth Show. And me, I'm your host. My name is Rich Jones. Yo. So this morning, I was standing in the kitchen making coffee and I thought to myself, trying to be a good person has caused me so much strife in my life. And I don't know why I thought about this, but I'm glad that I did because it reminded me that there's been so many different situations where I was trying to be the good person, trying to be liked, trying to appear something. And in those situations, I either shrunk myself or I didn't make the decision that I knew that I needed to make, or I sacrificed something else that ultimately led to pain. So when I think about that, trying to be good, and I wanna be clear, trying to be a good person is different than trying to be successful. It's the difference between being seen as bad and as good. And it's something that I've come to know very well as I've been on this trauma journey, as I'm gonna call it. And I share that here because I know there are a lot of people who apologize constantly for things they don't need to apologize for. They're avoiding asking for what they really need because they're trying to be good. So if that's you, I encourage you to spend some time thinking about that. But yeah, as I said up top, my name is Rich Jones. This is the Mental Wealth Show where we have candid conversations about growth. And before getting into today's episode, I wanted to tell you about Monument because Monument is an online platform slash anonymous community slash access to a therapist slash access to medication. If you are thinking about changing your relationship with alcohol, that doesn't just necessarily mean quit drinking, but it could mean that. And I've had people reach out to me on the side and say, yo, how did you go about changing your relationship with drinking? Because I still got these corporate events and all of these other things coming up. And I feel like I'm drinking way too much. And so for me, I've always had a therapist. Well, not always. Since 2015, I've worked with a leadership coach. I've been part of a mastermind group community. And so I've built this system and these structures around me to help me conquer and break that vicious cycle and get to where I am today. And so if you're thinking about making that change and you've been struggling or you're just want to be part of a community with people who are dealing with something similar, I encourage you to check out Monument. So you can visit paybal.co slash monument, P-A-Y-B-A-L dot C-O slash M-O-N-U-M-E-N-T. And when you use the link, it does let them know that I sent you their way and I do get credit for that. As for today's episode, I'm catching up with Jason Brown, who is the founder of The Brown Report, thebrownreport.com. Jason is an investor, a mindset master. I mean, he doesn't call himself that, but I'm going to call him that. And he's developed an awesome platform where you're going to find multimedia content as well as a community if you're interested in learning how to trade, how to invest. And he talks about a whole lot more, and you'll get a sense of how deep this brother is and the types of things that he can talk about in this episode today, because 
I learned so much from him very early in the episode that I knew it was going to be a different type of conversation than I thought that we were going to have. But I'm glad that it went the way that I did. And it's a perfect example of the type of conversations that I want to have here on the Mental Wealth Show, particularly speaking to black men. And not just because it's Black History Month, because I've had this episode for a minute, but uh, there's something about speaking to black men and hearing vulnerability and hearing folks talk about what it really is versus the putting on appearances and all the other bullshit that I see a lot of folks doing. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that because we've all got to get our coins and we've all got to get our money. But to have Jason come on this show and be as vulnerable as he was and uh, not focus so much on all the successes that he's, that he's amassed that you can find online, I found to be pretty incredible. So you'll hear about his experience growing up, some pivotal some pivotal moments that ultimately led him on the path to where he is today. We also spend some time talking about the importance of accountability, masterminds, and similar. So here's my conversation with Jason, and I hope you enjoy. Yo, Jason, welcome to the podcast. What's up, Rich? I'm glad to be here, man. Thanks for having me. Man, I appreciate you joining. We're going to have some fun today. And first question, I'm doing something new because we're in a new year. What does mental wealth mean to you? Um, so, man, mental wealth. It's funny. We were just talking about that before we actually start recording. And um, I think mental wealth for me is just like being wealthy with your mindset, being wealthy with your thoughts, being wealthy with rest and being at peace. Um, and, and there is, that's a different type of wealth because it's not tangible. You can't touch it. You can't see it. And to be quite you honest, up it. until <laughs> recently, it was a wealth I didn't even care about. You know what I'm Say saying? Say more about it was that. A, it was it wasn't even a wealth I cared about or thought about. It was like, I need to get this money. I need to live in this kind of house. I need to have this kind of, I need to get to this financial level. And I never really thought about the mental wealth or the mental wealth sacrifices I was making to get there. And then I didn't think about the lack of wealth that I would feel once I arrived there. And what I mean by that, for example, when I say lack of wealth, it's like you, you, you have all these thoughts of what it'd be like to make a million dollars or to have a big social media following or whatever, whatever it is uh, in whoever's listening space. Then you kind of get there and, you know, we, we, we did the over a million dollar thing. We became millionaires, the house, the Ferrari, all this stuff. But then you start to question things like your mental wealth. You start to look at things like, well, how many of my friends can I call and talk to about this stuff because they're not living the same level, mm. right? So that's a form of mental wealth or a mental deficit, <laughs> right? Uh, deduction from the mental wealth account because I can't even vibe and dialogue. And I'm not saying that these people aren't still my friends, but I can't talk business problems. I can't talk new money stresses with them because they don't understand. So that was like an example Um you know, I remember when I first quit my job, this was years ago, but I was like, this is going to be great. And I never thought about the lack of mental wealth of when I quit my job. I was at home in the middle of the day by myself. My wife was at work. Mm. I called my best friends. They were at work. They're like, hey, I'm on lunch break. I got to call you. It's time for me to go back. 
And so I would remember walking my neighborhood by myself and I was just like, this is not what I thought it was going to be. Like, I'm like, I can't wait to be financially free and fire my employer and be, you know, control my own clock. And I was just at home by myself. And I was like, okay, this ain't really it. You know, so those are things I didn't even think about. I didn't think about the value in the water cooler talk, coming to work on Monday, mm-hmm. connecting with your boy. What'd you do this weekend? That human connection. Um, I didn't think about, you know, me and somebody in another department. We're, we're both working hard, trying to move up the ladder and we're brainstorming about, man, let's uh, let's do this. Let's get on management's radar. And I'm saying that to say when you come to the entrepreneurial lifestyle, like I said, I didn't have many friends to banter with. I didn't have many friends to be like, how your business doing? How's mine doing? Let's grow this. Let's do that. It was like, okay, me by myself, bouncing ideas off the wall. (laughs) Yo, so there was a point where I felt like I don't think I'm going to make any more friends. Like I'm an adult. I'm out. And that's even with having a day job. And so I, I wonder what that was like for you. And at what point did you start to overcome that a bit? So, you know, for me, you know, you get to these levels, whatever they are, and I realize what's what's important for I think everyone to realize and what I had to realize was you have to constantly reinvent yourself and you grow up, you grow up with this notion that when I get here, I'm done. And the reality is, is when you get here, you have to start over. (laughs) I don't think anybody says it like that. It's like, man, once I hit this level, I'm done. It's like, no, once you get there, you're going to have to start over again because new habits, new friends, new problems, new everything. And so you said like, you know, how did I ever overcome that? Or, you know, what was that like for me? Like, I realized I had to join more masterminds. So like at this point, that's like my thing now It's like, that's my therapy session. Those are my friends. Those are where I go to bounce ideas off. Those are the people I like to talk to. It's like joining masterminds. It's like my form of going to work. It's my form of talking to my coworker now uh, is paying to be in these masterminds. So that's just one example of something that I've done. The other thing that I can say is like my team has really become my friends. Like my team is my coworkers. And so, like, I try to do fun events with my team because I really like my team. And, like, you know, we get to hang out. We also get to talk business. We get to have a little bit of fun as well. So I've also noticed my team is now, like, they're like my friends as well. They're not just, like, these are employees. They're, like, I, I genuinely care about them as employees, but I genuinely care about them as a friend and, like, talking to them and, like, hanging out with them. Yo, that team part is so important. And I had a feeling you were going to go that route, even just based off of the whole being alone, because I've had that feeling and I've got there too, where the people that I hire, whether they're contract, I mean, all I have is contractors right now. I ain't got no FTEs, full-time employees yet, but I need to be able to vibe with you. Like, yes, you can, it's, it's cool if you're good at what you do or even if you're not super great, but if I can vibe with you and I see that you're someone that's willing to learn, we can have some fun with it. Because like I said, I, I, like I was saying before this, like I want this, this whole thing to be fun. So 
you've got the the team aspect, which which I love, and we'll talk more about that. And then you also mentioned masterminds, which I also love, and I consider that something that's part of my life portfolio as well. Uh, for people that aren't familiar with masterminds, can you uh, give people a simple breakdown of, of what those are? And you mentioned you pay to be in them, but I know that there are also free ones as well. And pe- people can start their own. It doesn't have to be this complex thing where they go look in forums and try to find stuff. So if you can just talk about what a mastermind is a little bit for folks. Yeah, it's funny, the timing. Um, I actually just did a whole podcast about mastermind because we just came back from a mastermind retreat like uh, last week. Oh, but, where'd y'all go? Uh, we were in California. So we were in Escondida, California. It was just outside of San Diego. And um, we had this beautiful multi-million dollar mansion, right? Overlooking the the hills, uh, basketball court, tennis court, just the whole works, right? But that's was how Kawhi it is. There? You gotta, you know, they gotta rent something big <laughs> and, and make it make it feel uh, very appealing, which is it's it's so it's just a cool feeling, you know. <laughs> I love it, man. Uh, so yeah, we were in California, but but what is a mastermind? So a mastermind is. It's just what it sounds like, but not what you think. (laughs) And when I say it's not what you think, people think like just a bunch of rich people who pay to be friends and you're not really friends if you have to pay to be friends. And it's like, you're missing the concept. So I want to break down the concept. First of all, a mastermind is a meeting of like minds and also a meeting of minds that think maybe higher than you. So you're going in to either be around people who think like you so you can share things that you can share with other people but also you want to be around people who think different or on a higher level than you so that they can push you or elevate you or pull you up and the reason that some are paid and some are not and i'll talk about a little bit why you might want to pay one and why you might not want to pay one but the reason some are paid first of all is the organizer needs to have some skin in the game for bringing all these people together, number one, right? They're renting a house, they're facilitating, they're organizing, they probably have a, a event planner, they're ordering food, all that stuff is normally included. Um, now, now that, that doesn't, we pay well above what the food is provided, right? So they probably got to make a profit, but you're paying for their services or, or their circle of influence of knowing the different people to bring together, number one. Number two, you, depending on the type of mastermind you're looking for, you usually want some type of barrier to entry to know that people are on the same level. And typically that barrier is money. It's like, you know, um, I'm in one mastermind that you have to have a business or do something that makes uh, over seven figures, make a million dollars in a 12 month calendar period. Right. And it just level sets to know that everyone in there is at least doing minimum a million. So when you have those million dollar problems or conversations, you want to make sure that people in the room are qualified. If you are in the same group of somebody who's just started their candle business and they made $10,000, you might not get as much value out of the problem you have at your level versus that person. So that's why you might want to be in a paid mastermind. But there's not just paid it could be a paid doctor mastermind so maybe the qualification is maybe it's only a thousand to be part of it but the qualification is that everyone has to have uh, a p a doctorate degree you know so it's not just your around money it's just ours happens to be entrepreneurial but it could be you know anything um it could be you know a bunch of yoga instructors and the, and the paid paid portion could just be 25 dollars, but 
but the qualifications everyone has to be certified in reiki or yoga or something like that right. so i just want people to understand it's not necessarily the dollar amount and not necessarily all entrepreneurial so then there's also peer masterminds as well and the peer mastermind is just like you know hey rich me and you were both in the financial space we're both right. brothers why don't we come together and just connect once a month see how you doing see how i'm doing and uh, I was actually in the peer mastermind for a long time and we kind of all outgrew it, um, which is also normal as well that you start getting busier and busier with your businesses and you kind of grow apart. But those are some of the honestly, the peer masterminds are some of the best because we get to see I've, I've become good friends with some people before they became the superstars that they are. Yeah, like I knew him back when it was all of us getting together trying to figure this thing out, and it's so beautiful to look to see some of them are married, having kids, or grew a big business. And I remember when we were having our little Google Meetup meetings, and it's like, man, how do we run ads? You know, we were asking those type of questions. So those can be very powerful as well. So the the key is just to get around like minded people, whether they're peers. Or you pay to get into a group where there's some qualifications. And let me just throw this out there as well. Also, sometimes it's worth paying to get in the mastermind to meet people you wouldn't have normally met. That's another mm. reason why I joined different masterminds. It's like, I look at it like, like a fraternity, okay? Um, some of the masterminds I'm in, I can tell you, we would not go out to the same restaurants to eat. Some of us don't even live in the same states. Some of us don't even listen to the same music, so we wouldn't be at the same music concert. But that doesn't mean we don't have things in common. We just don't have a neutral ground to meet each other on to learn what we have in common. And there are some people that I've met through the mastermind we wouldn't have met any other way. But because of the mastermind, I realized we have other things in common, but we needed that common bond to get a chance to know each other. And I think that's what people need to understand is that real friendships develop, but you need a common meeting ground. Just like graduating from a college. It's like you meet someone and you're like, oh, you an alumni? I'm an alumni too. And then boom, a friendship kicks off. But if you weren't an alumni, you'd be like, hey, how you doing? Good. You good? Okay. And you get on the elevator and go your own way. But it's like, oh, you got a Michigan State shirt or a U of M shirt. It's like, I went to U of M. And like now that commonality instant connects you and that's kind of what a pan or being in a mastermind is about it's like i need something to become common with these people because otherwise i'm just a customer or a fan and they got enough customers they got enough fans that's reaching out to them on social media yeah so two words came to mind one investment because you talk about paying to be part of a mastermind that is an investment whether you're paying the play get access to people build networks things that may help you down the road. So the investment part is super critical, but then intention, because you go into these things knowing exactly, or it sounds like you go into these things knowing what you want to get out of them. And maybe there was a period early on where you were kind of just following common advice and joining, starting things up with folks. But uh, now you're at a point where uh, when you pay to get into something, you know why you're there and you know what you're going to get from it. Um, is there... Uh, anything else that comes to mind for you that, that you think was super helpful for have for helping you to develop a strategy or take the initiative for finding and, and joining these masterminds? Yeah. So for me, I, I, I look at what I need in the different areas of my life, which is, you know, I look 
at what I need from a business perspective. I look at what I need from a personal growth perspective. And then I look at what I need from a fun perspective. Those are kind of the three criteria that I look for in the mastermind. Because, for example, I have a guys group that we get together and we do a cigar night. That's that's like a mini mastermind. Is we it get really together. cigars? <laughs> What'd you say? I said, is it really cigars? It's really cigars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's really cigars. We'll get together. We'll have like we'll all bring different scotches and bourbons together, and we'll like we'll all bring some type of bourbon or scotch, like I said, and, and, and cigar, and we'll have a cigar night, test different drinks. But we'll but in those meetings, we're talking about life. We're talking about either who we're dating or our marriages. We're talking about what it was like growing up in Detroit, you know, making it out of the hood. And that's like a mastermind. Like you need that outlet. So so, so that's like a, a personal mastermind, so to speak, a peer-led one or a personal one. Um, then there's the business mastermind. So I was in the mastermind that everybody was like from around the world and, and, and in California, different places. And that mastermind was more business and internet marketing but then I realized I was feeling empty locally. Like I, every time I wanted to do something, I had to travel to California. I had to travel out of the state. And so right. that prompted me to look for a local mastermind. So I joined a local group where it was a group of entrepreneurs, but they also do fun things. So we meet once a month and then we also go out for an activity. And then there's other activities throughout the month. So it's not just business. It's actually a lot of fun going out on boats and different things like that. And so that one fueled like business and fun, whereas the other one just fueled all business. And then the other one just fueled all fun and and things I talk about growing up in Detroit, which I don't talk about in the other two groups. So really, when you look for a mastermind, you kind of need to evaluate where you're at in life and say, what do I need at this moment? And who are the people that I need to be around? And, and, I'll, and I'll, I'll go a step deeper and I'll be, I'll be, you know, to be transparent. I don't like mm-hmm. the word to be honest because, but to be honest, like, well, were you lying the whole time? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> to be honest, uh, oh yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. So to be to be transparent, uh, one of the masterminds I was in, I was basically the only black guy, and then my local masterminds. I mean, a lot of these guys are doing multi million dollars, and again, I was the only. There's a black. There's two black women, and I was the only black guy. So, I mean, I'm talking three black people and it's probably, I don't know, 150 of us in this group. So, Sounds I mean, about right. Not that many of us. So, I'm saying that to say um, I recently had joined, uh, I don't like the name drop. I recently joined uh, a prominent mastermind that is for, that was majority black. Because I just felt like I was missing that. I just, and there was nothing, and there's still nothing wrong with the other two that I'm a part of. Um, it's just, I was looking also to be around some of our people. So I joined I a mastermind and I went in specifically said, I want to be around more black entrepreneurs um, in that one. So depending on what you're needing and what you're looking for in your life is going to help direct what you're looking for in the mastermind, even as simple as being around people that look like you. Yeah. And I'm just going to come out and say it. It's fucking exhausting being the chocolate delegate all of the time, (laughs) particularly being the solo black male, which I've been in in a lot of settings. And so I know what that's like. And I'm kind of that way now too, where I'm like, yo, I need to, I've done my whole life being around everybody and being in the minority. And yeah, I've learned how to get along with folks from different backgrounds. I can talk to just about anyone, even though I don't 
necessarily like talking to people all the time. But uh, I'm at a point where I'm like, I've done this for 37, 38 years now. I want to be more around my people. And it's it's been interesting because I found during the pandemic in particular that I actually probably made more friends and closer contacts than I did in the past several years combined, which is really interesting. So uh, I think about uh, the masterminds that I've joined, none paid yet. I'd say that they're probably more peer mastermind groups and accountability partner brother that that I'm working with and just uh, other connections that uh, I've been able to make from, I'm I'm not sure what it is. Maybe it's the, the access, maybe it's the ease of accessibility that comes with being on video. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure if you found the same experience. Well, actually, how has the pandemic treated you in terms of uh, your association with people and then even just your own mental upkeep and, and well-being? So, you know, I, I'm opposite for you. I didn't feel like I picked up more people, at more friends at all. I like to get out to my masterminds. Ah. I like to go out places. I actually like to go take my laptop and get out of the house and go to Starbucks sometimes and work. And I mean, I'm that guy that'll just talk to strangers and I'll be talking to the college students that's working. I'll be talking to the other entrepreneurs who's working on her Etsy site or something up in Starbucks. I like that, that, that interaction. So for me, I actually, I didn't like the whole just being stuck in the house because I already worked from home pre-pandemic. All right. I mean, I already told you a story about where I, you know, quick, quick, side story when i quit my job and was working from home i actually rented i actually rented some office space downtown detroit because i was like this sucks being home all day i rented some office space and we work and i was driving to downtown detroit just to get on my laptop i could get on my laptop at home but it was the environment it was the people it was the energy of being downtown so my point is i really like being around people. So my relationships didn't really grow throughout the pandemic. Um, I'm like, was craving to get out and go meet more people because I already was doing the at home thing. So nothing changed, at least not for the better for my uh, friendships and not for me. (laughs) Yeah. It's almost yin yang, I guess, because you sound like you're much, actually, when I talk to you, you seem quite gregarious and extroverted and all of that good stuff. Actually, every time I saw you at FinCon, you were with a group of people talking. So that doesn't surprise me at all. Whereas uh, I don't need to get out and meet people. <laughs> and usually when I'm talking about getting out, it's leaving whatever event I'm at so I can get my ass back home. That's mm. <laughs> So that's usually what it is for me. But what's most important within this is that you know yourself and you know what you need and you know uh, how you work best. And it even made sense for you to spend a little bit of money so that you could create that space for you to get the most effort, bang for your buck, whatever you want to call it. Now, uh, you mentioned growing up in Detroit. What was that experience like for you? And I'm curious how that's influenced the way that you operate today. Yeah. So, you know, being that you call this the mental, the mental wealth podcast, right? Uh, is I was just talking about growing up in Detroit and what that meant, and, and, and more specifically, just having a single mother who is from the South. My mom's from Mississippi, and you know, I think about how man, it just is just the funny the name of your show is the mental wealth because I because I, I think about so many things in life that either tax my mental wealth and, and didn't yeah. really contribute to it, and. It's not like it happened on purpose. So, for example, growing up in Detroit, like we're in the hood. We, um, you know, it's bars on the window. We grew up with bars on the window. 
dope houses on the street, right? We joined gangs. I was in the gang for, uh, you know, a decent portion of my life. And there's things in my life that were very unique. Like, for example, I never had a bed as a kid. Um, we couldn't afford one. I did one. not know that. No, yeah, it's not a story I tell a lot, but, you know, again, I want to be transparent and give you and your audience as, as much value as possible. But like growing up, I never had a bed. And so I went to my best friend's house, Rick, um, at like, I don't know, 10 years old or something. I was like, man, you got a bed. I was like, how you get a bed? Because I thought only grownups had beds because, <laughs> you know, my mom had a bed. But us kids, we slept in sleeping bags on the floor. But I wasn't I wasn't aware of poverty. I wasn't aware because we didn't. My dad passed when I was two years old and my buddy, he, he had a mom and a dad. So I'm like, oh, maybe it's because he got two parents, two incomes. That makes sense. But I just for the longest time, I didn't think kids had beds because I didn't really spend a night at people's houses. Um, so when I went to his house, finally, I was like, man, you, you could sleep in a bed. I just thought that was so fancy. Um, but, but, you know, but that's that's what I'm saying. Growing up in that environment. You didn't even know that that wasn't normal then to not have a bed as a kid um then i remember i was dating this young lady i was about 18 something like that i started dating this young lady drive out to her house and um she lived in the suburbs but you know where i'm from you don't really cross eight mile let alone we didn't really nobody know anybody who lived in the suburbs everybody we knew lived in the city and so uh, i met her dating her and she like come out to my house it's like an hour away i'm like okay hope i don't get pulled over like even that we just think like hope i don't get yep. pulled over even though we're not doing nothing wrong and so i drive to her house first thing i pull up big brick beautiful brick house i'm like first of all it's a beautiful house second they don't have bars on the window <laughs> right so i'm like i thought everybody had bars on the window because where we from we like somebody coming in to take our tv <laughs> you know like something <laughs> and they're not even worried about that and so like all of that stuff became taxing on my mental health because once i started realizing everybody doesn't live like this up until that moment it was okay but once i realized everybody doesn't live like that i started hating how we live i started realizing like well why do i have to have bars on my window and why do we have to rush in the house at midnight hoping someone doesn't you know try to come up to us at gunpoint and force us in the house and you know my mom would say stuff like we got to keep the windows closed i'm like why because if they see the tv in here they go try to break in but then i go out to her house they don't even got blinds on the window you can see straight through the house natural sunlight coming in so i was like hmm. i kind of like that lifestyle better um, so that's what growing up was like and that's how it kind of played into my mental health because or mental wealth, because I, I, that's when I realized we were mentally poor. We were like worried about someone stealing our TV, bars on our window, worried if someone was gonna break in, and we didn't even have much. <laughs> I'm like, they should be worried. They got more than us, but they live in an area where that's not a concern. And and and, and I remember, I'll tell you another quick story. I remember driving my car out there. I'll never forget this story, because it, it, it still sticks with me to this day. So I go out there, I see their house, that was the first time I came up with the phrase that I want a what do they do house. Because when I pulled up to their house, I was like, what do your parents do? <laughs> you know, like, what do they do? You know, you got the house or you'd be like, what do these people do? So I was like, man, one day I'm going to have a what do they do house. And then so we bought this house in Michigan on the lake. And uh, I'm very proud of it because I always wanted people to come up to the house and be like, what do you do? And I wanted to say, I don't play basketball or nothing. But anyway, so I drove my car to their house and I'm like, gosh, what do your parents do? And, you know, they're engineers and stuff. But um, I come in the house and I'm talking about my cutlass. I got an 85 cutlass. And I got mm. this big metal thing with me. They're like, what's that? I'm like, oh, this is the thing that's, 
column locks the steering wheel. Then it covers the ignition in case they bust it and try to hotwire the car. <laughs> and I'm like, next, I'm about to get a detachable steering wheel and take the steering wheel with me so they can't even drive the car if they get in it. Wow. And I'll never forget, man, her mother looked at me and said, can I ask you a question? I'm like, yeah. I'm thinking she's going to ask about the car, how the steering wheel detachable work. You know, she said, where do you stay that you feel you need all of that? And man, I, whew, I get emotional just even repeating that because like, I, I never had anybody ask me that. I, for the first time in my life, I felt stupid. <laughs> like I was mm. bragging, like I got does crowbar and I keep people from stealing them. I get to the t- I'm thinking like she was gonna be like, oh, that's cool. I should get one too. And like for the first time, I felt like stupid. And I just I couldn't even answer. I was just like, oh, I'm just joking. I'm not getting a detachable steering wheel for real. But I was like crushed inside, and I still yeah. feel stupid telling that story. Um, because it's just like how how mentally robbed and impoverished we were you know like we had no mental wealth we were so poor that's how we were thinking and i just remember leaving like i want a different lifestyle like i do not want to live like this do you feel like that was the pivotal moment because i feel like everyone has the every superhero has their origin story right and do you feel like that was because I'm, I'm listening to this and I'm thinking about how how hurtful that was and and had to feel, you know, to have someone, even if they may have asked innocently just to slap you with reality like that. And for me, I've always had uh, this this middle school principal who told me uh, you'll you'll never amount to anything. And that has stuck with me throughout all my life. And it's something that I revisit every now and then. And I think secretly it's like one of my drivers or maybe not so secretly if I know that it's there. It's one of the things that like subconsciously motivates me. So I'm wondering if it's if it's been like that for for you as well. I mean, I've had several of those moments, like seeing my buddy have a bed. I'm like, why don't I have a bed? That was a pivotal moment in my life. Like, I want my kids to have a bed, you know, Um, driving out to her house was the first time I was like, I want a what do they do house? Her asking me about my car, and I was just like, why do we live in a neighborhood while, where people are breaking in our cars and we're trying to... Pr- it was only a $3,500 car. I mean, like, <laughs> it was nothing. And people wanted to take the little bit we had. So, I mean, I think all those moments add up to, like, the drive that makes you go after it. And then even today, I'll give you another example that's not even you know, related to Detroit, but I was in this mastermind and I'm doing like $600,000 a year, like two years in a row. And I'm like, I'm like, that's good. I thought that was good money. And I, it is, it but, is. I, but good is like, um, subjective, relative. It's subjective, right? It's, a, it's in perspective. So I'm doing 600,000, two years in a row. And I'm in this mastermind It's, it's a multiple six and seven figure mastermind. So I'm qualified for multiple six. Well, a couple of the people doing seven figures or high multiple six, like eight, nine, close to doing seven. I'll never forget this too. Um, And I know they didn't mean any harm by this, but I remember talking to this one girl. She was like, oh, me, I'm not going to name drop. It was like me is a bunch of big name marketers. We're all in this group together. They're like me, such and such, such and such, such and such. We all all meet separately and got a separate mastermind. You ain't know about it. I'm like, 
nah, what you mean? Y'all got like another little small group going on. And she was like, well, let me check something or whatever. And she never like got back with me. Or she was like, I thought such and such said you was, you was going to join us or something. And what I realized was like all the seven figure people got together and created like a separate mastermind from the regular mastermind. And I think what hurt is like, when she says somebody brought my name up, I said, that means somebody said, should we invite Jason Brown? I'm like, okay, I should feel good about that. But somebody also said, no, nah, not him. Mm. And I, I, you know, and like, I don't know if they meant it like that, but that's how I took it. Cause she like, oh, well they brought your name up and such and such. They said it was, and I'm like, so that means somebody brought my name up, but also either somebody or as a group, they said, no, nah, not him. And even though I'm doing multiple six figures, I can tell you without a shadow of a doubt, that is the single thing that pushed me to go to seven figures. I was like, okay. I was like, all right. Somebody thought like, yeah, I wasn't good enough. At least I'm, that's how I took it. And like in life, you can take that as like a, you know, forget them. But like, I, I take that stuff personal. I'm like, okay, let's go. I was like, I'm about to crack seven figures. And like, y'all go wish y'all had invited me into that group. Nah, I don't really care, but I ain't gonna lie. Just even telling that story right now, still, <laughs> it burned me up a little bit. Nah, I get it. I get it. And you say, forget them. I'm gonna say, fuck them. I'm also doing that in this season of the show. <laughs> and this, uh, I'm sorry, kids. Fuck them. Because uh, I've experienced that too. You know, I, I think a lot of people have experienced that where you have that I'm not good enough feeling. And sometimes we say that to ourselves because of the experiences that, that we've had. But then other times there are things that happen and there's no other way to take it. But I'm not good enough. Now, you turn this into a positive, but I've heard conflicting thoughts or opinions about uh, being negatively fueled or being positively fueled. So when I say negatively fueled, you're fueled by uh, maybe something negative that happened or you're fueled by avoiding a particular outcome, being exposed as, as a fraud, uh, for example. Whereas, uh, you know, with um, positive motivation, as I'm calling it, let, let's just say you're just driven by this greater goal that you have in life, this greater purpose, this mission, this thing. And so do you find that generally you're more uh, negatively fueled or positively fueled if it feels like as I'm asking that question I'm like oh I feel like I know what the obvious answer would be but I also know I can be negatively fueled and that's helped propel me a great deal in my career so I'm curious if, if you've been more on the negative or positive side I'm, I'm I don't even know if it's negative or positive I'd be interested in hearing what you think I've, I think I'm more so fueled by like respect Mm. Like, I don't necessarily care if I can buy something. And I also don't necessarily care if I lose everything because I've lived with everything lost. I'll just build it back. Like, I've lost a ton of money, like made money, lost it, made it back, lost it. So I'm not really feel about like, what if I lose all this and lose this house? I'm like, yeah, we'll just do what we did. We'll move back in with my moms. <laughs> we'll go back to work. We'll start investing. We'll, we'll, we'll build something again. Um, but I'm also not like, you know, then I'm in some groups or you see like on, excuse me, social media where they're just like, 
you should want a helicopter and you should want a boat and this and that. And and I'm like, ah, I'm not like, I got to get a helicopter. And like, so I'm more fueled by like respect. Like I want my, pe- I want to be respected in the game, respected in the industry. And I feel like when that respect is challenged, it's like it activates the hawk in me. It's like, okay, let's go. <laughs> let's brother, go. <laughs> brother, we might be, we, we, we are similar in more regards than I thought because when you said respect, I, I made the mm sound because, well, one, you're clear on the value. So I'm like, respect is obviously a, a top value for this guy. But uh, I'm someone who's normally extremely calm until I feel disrespected. Like you can do all sorts of other stuff and I'm fine, but if like I feel perceived like disrespect, I hawk out, I I turn nine feet tall, chest get all big and swole. <laughs> right, right. And um so I I totally get, get you on that, man. And I imagine that there are uh, other values that have been in play for you as well. So I'm curious what like a couple of the other, because respect came, it came out very clearly. And so I imagine that, that there are a couple other things that, that you know you're motivated by as well. Yeah, I mean, I'm motivated. So respect is like a, a huge one. Um, and then I'm motivated by like my legacy of like, what am I going to leave behind for my kids? Am I, am I making a better life for us than, than, than we had? Um, so, so a lot of that is, is, is motivating me as well, but obviously respect is like way up there. And then it's like, what can I leave for my family to kind of pick the ball up and and carry it forward? You know, I don't, but, but even then I I want my kids to respect me though. I, I, I just go back to even for that. It's like, it's not even about what I can leave them behind. It's like, I want my kids to be like, that was my dad, you know, um, not this is what he left behind, but like, man, my dad was grinding every day for us. I respect that. My dad built a business so we could go, so we didn't have to live in the house with bars and and weren't worried about if we're going to get robbed. Um, not that it can't happen in the suburbs, you know. I hope no yeah. one listening doesn't take that from it. But your it's kids less won't even know what bars are. In yeah, your kids won't even know what bars are. Yeah, they don't. <laughs> I mean, are, you know, I. If I turn the camera around, all our windows are just open, you know, like they're living a totally different lifestyle, but more than like what I can give them, I want them to look back and be like, man, I respect the price that dad paid to get here. So even though I'm fueled by family and what I can leave behind and stuff like that, it's also like respect again from them, even respect from my mother to be like, And pride, you know, like I'm proud of what my son has done. I'm proud of what I was able to do for uh, the family. So it would probably be respect and pride would be those, you know, those, those, those two values that drive me. And then, you know, I think about testimonials of people saying, you changed my life or I learned this because of you, Um, you know, so that's like the third piece of it. It's like knowing that you're giving back or knowing that you're making a difference um, that would be probably like the top three pillars of what drives me. Yeah. So I've got helping others slash making a difference is one of mine. Uh, authenticity and freedom. Uh, and it's it's interesting because I'm I'm not going to shrink you and be like, oh, you had this experience in childhood. So this means that this is why you do this. But I, I'm listening. And uh, there are similarities where I, where I think there are these earlier experiences, whether positive or negative, that we don't we may not think about them much at the time, but even 20, 30, 40, 50 years later, 
they're still very much impacting, um, you know, how we how we view and, and, and how we do things for sure. Absolutely. I mean, you got to think we just moved into this house three years ago and I was probably dating that girl when I was 19, 20. So, I mean, you're talking 20 years. I've been chasing this. What do they do house from that experience of pulling up to her house? You know, yeah. uh, all my life, I've been saying I want my kids to have beds since I was 10 and found out that kids can have beds. So absolutely that stuff, you know, comes with you um, throughout life and affects your mental health, your mental wealth, how you think about things. Yeah. Um, yeah. So let's talk about some of the wealth in more of the traditional sense real quick because we've 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 gone through which I've learned so much. I've I've had you on a previous iteration of the podcast for folks that are that are newer and I feel like I've I've learned so much today and what I love is that we didn't have to get into just talking about tactics, you know, <laughs> that we actually had a conversation about the real shit because you if if you don't start putting these systems in place, if you don't start understanding more about who you are, what you need, where to make these investments, we're probably not having this conversation today, and um, you're you're probably not where you are today, but you are where you are. So, talk a little bit about the empire that you have built. And uh, one thing that was really interesting from our conversation back at FinCon was you talked about uh, how you see your business the way tech startups see their business, where you're looking at different factors and and keeping everybody coming to your platform as opposed to uh, going to theirs. So. Talk about this this Jason Brown empire that you've built, man, with with uh, all that respect on your name. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, for, for your audience, if they don't know, like I'm in the stocks and options industry. So I'm a stock and options trader. And then we built um, a stocks and options online trading platform and education platform called Power Trades University. And, you know, when I looked at the landscape or when I looked at business, I, I, you know, I always think about the long term. And so while most people like will build their platform on all these other course teaching platforms, which is not a bad thing, depending on what, what you're going for. But I think about like they don't have anything that's technically um, sellable, willable to their kids. You know, I I looked at the industry like Lynda.com did. Right. So Linda built her own platform and had people come into her platform to learn whatever they wanted to learn. And at the end of the day, uh, it was LinkedIn who paid, I believe it's like, I want to say they pay 1.5 up to 3 billion, billion and yeah. bought lynda.com. Right. And so, and then obviously Microsoft bought LinkedIn. So, uh, technically Microsoft ends up buying link lynda.com. And so like, I'm not saying I want to sell it right now or someday, but what I learned from Linda was like, there's power in owning the platform that people are coming to to learn and nobody can shut her down. Nobody can kick her off the platform because they don't like what she's teaching or the people she's bringing. And and that's what I looked at. I looked at like, I was like, I want to be the place where people can come to learn about the stock market, learn about options, live day trade, um, get financial news, uh, chat with other traders in our chat room. So I was like, I want to be that hub and I want to own it all. I didn't want to have my courses over here because we did this in the beginning. We had our courses over here and then we had our forum in the Facebook group. And I and I just hated that because Facebook could shut you down, determine who gets to see your content, run ads to your people. 
And I was like, why am I giving Facebook this much power? And so we ended up building our own platform, our own custom platform, forum, live streaming, courses, coaching, um, everything is all under one roof. And, you know, when we talked about that in FinCon, it's like I'm focused on my business as like how many daily active users do we have the same way that people are logging into Instagram daily, Facebook, Twitter, how many people are logging into our platform, not only just to get the education, but to hang out, hang out, talk stocks, network with other traders. And, you know, I'm always looking for how we can improve the platform to make this a place where the best of the best traders want to come hang out and they're making money, they're talking shop, they're learning. It's all right here. They don't have to go anywhere else. So that's what we've built. And that's what we continue to market and get the word out about. And as long as we continue to be the best at making it a place where people want to come and can learn and hang out and get educated and make money, um, I know that we'll have a long run rate. And it's just a matter of time before we become a major platform, or even more major platform than what we are. Ah, uh, I love it, man. Jason, this this conversation, yo, I just got a brother just got chills at 858 a.m. on the West Coast uh, because just the the vulnerability that you've displayed and then hearing kind of where you're at today and, you know, having this platform that's continuously growing and, and hearing where you are in the uh, number of, of zeros. And I won't lie, when you mentioned the mastermind with seven figure earners, I imagined everyone sitting around a poker table because that's like some classic mastermind shit. But uh, it's been fantastic having you on this episode of the Mental Wealth Show. I know where I can find you. Tell the people where they can find you around the web. For sure. So obviously I'm Jason Brown. So they can find me on the web at thebrownreport.com. That's my website. On YouTube, I'm the Brown Report. On Instagram, I'm Brown Report. Um, all one word, Brown Report on Instagram. And so yeah, that's the best place to find me. The Brown Report, pretty much on all platforms. Thank you so much for coming on. Glad to call you a fellow Brown brother in arms. Rich, I appreciate you having me, man. It's been a blast. I was looking forward to it. And I'm, I'm just glad we got to connect and talk this kind of talk and not just business talk. <laughs> yes. Love it. Yo, thanks again to Jason for coming on the podcast and being all things candid. I mean, you want to talk candid conversations about growth. That was candid as hell. So props to him for that. Won't be the last time that you hear from Jason. And Jason, we got to get time on the calendar. But hey, if you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to share it. Share it with your network. Share it with a friend. Share it with a co-worker. Share it with your brother. Share it with whoever the hell you think could benefit from this conversation. Because the more people we reach, the more people we help. And as I said up top, if you are thinking about changing your relationship with alcohol, be sure to check out Monument. And you can find out more by going to paybal p-a-y-b-a-l dot c-o slash m-o-n-u-m-e-n-t i almost spelt that shit wrong but yo that's all i got for today so until next time do something dope